The following program was pre-recorded, so our phone lines are not open. We're hip deep in tax season. Are you getting all your financial ducks in a row before it's time to give unto Caesar? I am Rob West. The filing deadline will be here before you know it. So if you haven't started prepping yet, now's the time to do it. I'll have some tips that could save you headaches. We'll talk about that first today, then we'll have some great calls that we've lined up. But since this program is not live today, please hold your calls until we're back in the studio. This is Faith and Finance Live, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. No one likes paying taxes, but it's not only a civil mandate, it's a biblical one as well. Romans 13.7 tells us, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. Of course, we don't want to pay more in taxes than we have to, so we need to take steps to avoid that and make the process as simple and error-free as possible. The first step is to get moving now. The earlier you file, the sooner the IRS will process your return. Analysts predict that even with more IRS employees on the job, new and confusing filing requirements will create a backlog, slowing your refund if you have one coming. You can make the process go faster by setting up direct deposit with the IRS. Don't procrastinate just because you think your return is simple, with maybe just one W-2 from your only employer and the standard deduction. And if that's the case, file your return electronically. Mailing in a paper return will definitely slow things down. If you have a more complicated return, it's important to start gathering your information now. If you think you need help, you'll want to hand over your documents to a tax professional and get the process started as soon as possible. That will give you more time to dig up any missing information and correct discrepancies. Another step is to double-check everything. Inaccuracies are a sure way to gain extra scrutiny by the IRS and possibly trigger an audit. Keep in mind that the agency computers will cross-check the numbers on your return with W-2 and 1099 forms on file. If there are discrepancies, your return will get kicked out for a manual review and potential audit. You can double-check the numbers yourself by going to irs.gov. Look for a link to Get Your Tax Record. You'll get a free digital copy of your tax transcript. You may discover that you're missing information that you need to file your return before the tax deadline, which, by the way, is April 18th this year for every state except California where it's been extended, so you have a few extra days. If you know you can't make the deadline, you can file for an extension. That will extend the time you have to file to October 16th. Now, that's only an extension for filing, not an extension for paying. You may not know exactly how much you owe, but you're required to make a good-faith estimate and send that amount in by April 18th. There's an old joke that the only thing certain in life are death and taxes, but they should add changes to tax laws to that. This year, there are new rules for credits and deductions, so let's go over some of them. The child tax credit of up to $3,600 was partially doled out ahead of time in 2021 as part of COVID relief. That credit now returns to its original amount of $2,000 per child. Again, due to COVID, the child and dependent care credit was increased to a maximum of $8,000 in 2021. 
That now returns to its previous maximum of 2100 Another tax break gone bye-bye is the separate donation to charity deduction. In 2021, you could claim those deductions on a separate line, even if you took the standard deduction. But when filing your 2022 taxes, you'll have to itemize to get a deduction for charitable giving. It's not entirely bad news. The clean energy vehicle credit remains at $7,500 if you bought a qualifying electric or plug-in hybrid vehicle in 2022. Now, if you receive payments by digital platforms like Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal, you might have heard some buzz about IRS Form 1099-K, the IRS plan to require those companies to report transactions of business account holders who received more than $600 in transactions in 2022. The previous threshold was $20,000, so this would have affected a lot of people this year. However, a last-minute change in the law has pushed that back to 2023, so you don't have to deal with that this year. But make no mistake, you still have to report and pay taxes on income from self-employment and the sale of goods or other business transactions. Okay, so those are your tips for filing your taxes this year. This is Faith and Finance Live, and we'll be right back. The Faith Buy app. Hey, great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West, your host. Our team is away from the studio today, so don't call in. But coming up a little later, we'll have more of your questions right here on the program. Hey, let me take a moment to mention the Faith Fi app. We'd love for you to download it. Just head to your app store wherever you download apps and search for Faith Fi. That's Faith F-I. You can manage your money. You can access the best content in biblical finance, podcasts, articles, and videos. You can also participate in our Faith Fi community where you can post questions and get answers from others on their stewardship journey. You'll find it in your app store. Just search for FaithFi, or if it's easier, head to our website at faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com, and you'll see the app right there on the homepage. All right, now let's head right to the phones. We'll head to Wisconsin first. Hi, Charles. How can I help you, sir? Hi, Rob. Uh, I just wondered if you guys use uh, Bitcoin as part of your portfolio that you recommend to your uh, clients. Yeah, uh, just to be clear, we don't uh, offer investment advice here at Faith Fi. We're a 501c3 ministry. Oh. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Uh, we do recommend certified kingdom advisors, and they are, in fact, financial professionals, and each would have you know their own approach to building investment portfolios according to their clients' objectives. But let's talk about Bitcoin just as a part of an allocation. I think it is, uh, I would put it in a highly speculative category. There's still a lot to be seen as to the future of crypto. I think the technology is here to stay. I think we're going to see the implications of cryptocurrencies, not only in the banking system as a means of exchange, but well beyond that in terms 
terms of uh, impacting other industries. The idea of a decentralized, uh, you know, string of, of computers uh, securely encrypting these transactions, uh, I think, has a lot of implications for us, especially in this day and age with a lack of trust uh, in central institutions. I think that's why we're seeing so much uh, toward the cryptos right now. Uh, but I think it's also going to be, as an investment, very speculative. So I'd put it in the most speculative category, and we've certainly seen that play out, Charles, with the volatility of cryptocurrencies, largely because, you know, well, we had a very public event of an, a crypto exchange failing, and there was some fraud involved in that. That's going to further erode the trust uh, in that particular approach. Uh, secondly, we still have a lot to learn about how the government is going to approach it from a regulatory standpoint, and they're even looking at their own uh, central bank digital currency, which will operate in this space, but it will have the backing of the central bank, which, of course, the whole idea behind cryptos is that it does not. It doesn't have a regulatory authority over it. And so for that reason, I think you could think about it like the dot-com age uh, in the early days, you know, there was a lot of winners and a lot of losers and people lost a lot of money and made a lot of money. And I think we're going to see that play out over time. Uh, so we have to be careful there. Now, you mentioned, obviously, one of the most well-known cryptos, and that's Bitcoin. And I think, you know, that is probably the one that has emerged as the strongest. So all that to say, how would I approach it in my investments? Well, as long as you understand it's in the, the most speculative category, there's going to be a lot lot of volatility in it. I think the question is, does it have a place in the portfolio? You mentioned a 5% allocation. I think that would be probably the allocation I would consider, um, you know, if I wanted to move in and have a position there. Uh, I think the challenge we get into is when folks are trying to get rich quick or make up for lost time. And so they, they go highly concentrated into a very speculative category like Bitcoin or cryptos and they lose a lot of money. So, you know, as long as you understand what portion of that portfolio it is, and you're highly diversified, and you have an allocation like what you've mentioned here at 5%, then I think it makes sense. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. no, and I I would like to interject uh, part of the problem we're seeing. I've, and I've only been involved with uh, crypto since 2017. And uh, over the last several years, I've learned that Forget about crypto. It's uh, smoke and mirrors, and it's Bitcoin only. Hmm. Uh, Bitcoin is built on a proof of work. It's actually mined, so there is a proof of work uh, behind it where almost 99.9% of other altcoins are just proof of stake. There are individuals that are holding and selling these things in hopes of, like you said, get rid of quick. And yeah. uh, I lost a bit of money in that regard, and, you know, I'm, I am Bitcoin only. And you're right, it is a store of value, and while it's volatile, which it is, but it does, at this time anyway, it's on a four-year cycle, up and down, yeah. but uh, the store of value is unequal. Uh, real estate, yeah. stocks, bonds, anything. So if you invest in it and you hold it, you would be hundreds and hundreds of times above any other uh, asset out there, any other asset class over the last 12 years. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting. Well, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of Bitcoin has emerged as the leader in this space, and I think it's unequaled at the moment. Uh, and it sounds like you're taking a healthy approach to it, and you've done your homework, because one of my rules with regard to investing is if you don't understand it or you can't explain it to your mom, you probably shouldn't invest in it. Thanks for your call, Charles. To Ohio we go. Hey, David, thanks for calling, sir. How can I help? Hey, um, two years ago, I retired. And I had a small 401k that I got nervous with the um, investments that it was in. And I cashed it out, right or wrong, that's what I did. And I put it into a savings account. Okay. So um, my retirement income pays all of my bills. I have not had to dip into the um, savings at at all. and I'm just kind of wondering, what should I do with it? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. So you did you actually take a distribution from your 401k, David? Um, meaning what? Well, did you actually take it out and move it to a taxable account and therefore recognize no. all of that as income? Or did you leave it in the 401k and just move it to the cash account? Um, I took it as income. Okay. So you've already paid the tax on it? Yes. Correct. Okay. And how much do you have sitting in the savings account that you took out of the 401k? 50,000. 50,000. All right. And you are fully retired today? Yes. Great. And what are your income sources? You mentioned a retirement income. Are you receiving a pension or what? Um, there's two tiers. I retired from a railroad. So okay. tier one is equivalent to what Social Security would have been. Okay. And my tier two is a pension. Yes. Okay. And the combination of what would have been your Social Security plus the pension is enough to cover your bills and you have a little bit left over at the end of the month? Yes. Okay. And so this 50000 is really not earmarked for anything uh, because your bills are covered at this point. So this is money you can just continue to grow? Correct. All right. And last question, do you have an emergency fund separate from the 50000 I do. Okay. How many months expenses roughly? Um, three. Okay, very good. Yeah, so I would probably, in this season of life, I'd probably love for you to have closer to six months. So what you may want to do is, if you're going to do anything with this money, I may try to beef up that uh, emergency fund uh, just because if you don't have other assets, I don't want you falling back on credit cards or something like that. So one option is just to leave it in savings and just try to maximize it through high-yield products like CDs or high-yield savings. Beyond that, if you wanted to take a portion of it, this is probably not a bad time for you to put it to work. With the stock market at a discount, taking maybe half of this and put it in a stock and bond portfolio just so you can overcome inflation and grow it, makes a lot of sense to me. It sounds like you're in pretty good shape, though. Hang on the line, we'll finish off the air, and we'll be right back on Faith and Finance. It's so great to have you with us today on Faith and Finance Live. This is the program where we mine the scriptures and apply God's wisdom to your financial decisions and choices so you can live with peace of mind and freedom. 
Hey, if you haven't checked out our new website, check it out, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. I'd love for you to jump into the community, create a free account, and then post a question or jump into somebody else's thread. You know, people every day are posting questions and comments. Think of this. Imagine if you were a part of a community of stewards wanting to handle money God's way and really moving together and encouraging each other and helping each other out. Well, that's what's happening every day in the FaithFi community. People are posting questions, getting responses. We'd love for you to join them. Head to faithfi.com, click on the community tab, and you can get started. Or better yet, download the FaithFi app. The community is right there in the app, and you can participate throughout the day, perhaps even get some new insights. All right, let's head back to the phones. We're going to go to North Carolina. Roy, how can we help you? How you doing, sir? Doing great. Thanks for calling. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm calling. My question is, for someone that's, you know, that's basically uh, don't know where to begin at, uh, I've consulted with uh, with uh, my bank there, and they told me about the, uh, they had a, a, a CD starting at $250, and what it is, I, I, I'm at a beginner's, I'm yeah, I don't know how to how to start a, a, a you know a portfolio, and, and where how, how should it look as far as a beginner, as far as a, you know just getting started, yes, and sir. everything, and um, the amount that I I could I could uh, uh, put into it would be a. About 150 to 200 a month. Yeah, very good. So you're just getting started. We all have to start somewhere, Roy, so that's no problem. Yeah. And I love that yeah. you're thinking about putting something away for the future. That's great. Let me ask a few questions, though, and then I'll answer your specific question about uh, how to proceed with these CDs. Uh, the first is, do you have a spending plan or a budget that you operate off of each month? Uh, I do. Okay, great. And when you all the bills are paid, do you have a little bit left over? Is that this hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars a month? Uh, yes, sir. Okay, great. And do you have what I call Roy an emergency fund? This is a savings account where you've got some number of months worth expenses uh, set aside for the unexpected. Do you have that? In fact, I do. Okay, how much do you have in there? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, it's a, it's a comparable amount of, you know, several thousand in there. Okay. Uh, I'd love for you to get that up to at least three months' worth of expenses. So take that budget, however much you're spending on a monthly basis, multiply it by three, and let's try to make that a goal to take this 150 to 200 a month. And if you're not there yet, let's first build up that emergency fund so you've got a full three months' worth of expenses. If you wanted to be even more conservative, you could go up to six months. And what that's going to do for you, Roy, is if you had a disruption in income, you had an unexpected major event, uh, you know, something out of left field, uh, you'd have that to fall back on. You wouldn't have to rely on debt, credit cards, something like that. Uh, Beyond that, Roy, are you working? Uh, No, sir, I'm not. I'm uh, retired. And uh, and how how I retired was that uh, I'm visually impaired. And uh, I'm not not totally blind, but visually impaired. And, of course, with the job I had, well, any of them, you know the requirement is that you you know you be able to so i had to, well anyway it was so bad that i had to turn in my driving license okay. and then uh, that so 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 i'm i am you know dealing with that and uh, yes sir i came to the grips that that's what it is but um um uh, i'm wanting to get started on the other end i do have enough to to you know to cover me and 
on the emergency side as far as that. I, well, and of course, with a vehicle, I don't, I don't necessarily have to worry about it. You know that breaking down because I'm, <laughs> I'm restricted from driving. So, yes, sir. So, uh, so, so, so that's what that is, and I, I just wanted to get started. And like I said, I had conversated uh, to the minimum and best of my knowledge with the with my bank there, which is a credit union, is a state employed credit union, and uh, so they had told me about the uh, you know the CD and uh, you okay. know two hundred and fifty dollars for for a CD and we didn't get into into you know the meat of the of the financial thing because yeah. I didn't know enough to ask. Would, yeah. You know, well, I guess what you would consider the right questions. You know? Yeah, that's fine. Well, CDs are fairly simple to understand. They're bank products. They're guaranteed by the federal government if they're coming from a credit union. Uh, so you don't have to worry about the risk of loss there. Uh, and beyond that, um, you know, they have a, a fairly attractive rate of return. I think the question is, what is your credit union offering? Um, and is your credit union, you know, doing offering rates that are competitive? So, uh, for a one-year CD, I'd be looking for something, you know, around four percent a year. Uh, and if they're not offering that, you can do better uh, elsewhere by opening maybe with an online bank. Are you comfortable using the internet? Uh, I have a, um, you know, a, a close friend of mine. Okay, that would have to do that because I, I can't, uh, you know, yeah. I can't see that. Sure. Okay. Well, if you have a friend that could help you, I would tell them to go maybe write this down, bankrate.com, bankrate.com. And that would allow you and your friend to find the the banks that are offering the most competitive CD rates right now. Now, they may have minimums, so you may decide just based on the amount you're wanting to put in that your credit union is the place to go. But I think the question is to ask, Roy, what is the interest rate that you're paying? Because uh, that's really, you know, CDs are so simple. That's really all you need to know at this point. So I'd go back to them and, and ask that and then compare that to whatever else is out there that would allow you to start with the same minimum amount, but see if you can do a little bit better in the way of interest rates. Uh, but apart from that, I don't really think there's anything else you need to know. This is a very safe and conservative way to go. Uh, you need to understand how long you're locking the money up for because with a CD, there's going to be a term on it, probably starting in a one-year period where you don't want to take it out for a year because you'd pay a penalty to break the CD. But apart from that, you really just need to know the interest rate. And I think this is a great way to go. It's been a privilege to talk to you, my friend. It sounds like you're doing a lot of things right, including starting to put a little bit more away for the future. If we can help further along the way, let us know. All right, we're going to head to a break, so don't go anywhere. Still a lot more to come, even though we're away from the studio today and you shouldn't call in. We have some great questions that you're really going to enjoy as we continue to apply God's wisdom to your financial decisions. We'll be right back. We are grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. We are grateful for support from Sound Mind Investing in the Faith and Finance Program. For more than 30 years, they've been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. 
Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including the short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. The Great Commission. Inside and outside of the church, people are asking, is the commission still great? That questions the title of Steve Richardson's book in which he dismantles the myths that obscure God's beautiful plan to make disciples of all nations. Deepen your understanding of the call to missions and see how you can participate in God's grand design. Get your copy of Is the Commission Still Great? at moodybooks.org. That's moodybooks.org. Start your day by pursuing God. Listen to the Mornings with Tozer podcast. A.W. Tozer provides you with two minutes of spiritual intimacy with God. You'll discover a God of breathtaking majesty and world-changing love. As you step into the morning light of a new day, listen to Mornings with Tozer on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you prefer a printed devotional, purchase your copy of Mornings with Tozer at moodypublishers.com. Every day, FaithFi is working to meet people right where they are. Through our national radio program, app, and website, we're helping people put their faith in God and not in money and possessions. And we're encouraging and equipping Christians to have a passionate pursuit for sacrificially living and giving the money entrusted to them. If you believe in and have benefited from FaithFi, would you consider becoming a monthly FaithFi patron? Learn more about the FaithFi patrons membership at faithfi.com and click Give. I'm Miriam Neff. And I'm Valerie Neff Hogan with Wise Women Managing Money. Economically, shaky times have impacted families in different ways. A recent pandemic resulted in some losing jobs or getting less income. Coming out of this, only 53% of Americans say they are in good or great shape. When in need, where did people look for economic help? Most looked to the government. Some did receive some type of compensation. However, jobs were not all recovered, and some families grew debt, not expecting to recover for years. As Christ followers, we know that our ultimate source of provision is our Lord. Scripture tells us to be prepared for tomorrow. That means a three- to six-month reserve for hard times. Does this solve all problems? No, but that plan would have helped many. God does have solutions beyond what we see. This feature at wisewomenmanagingmoney.com. Grateful you've tuned in to Faith and Finance Live. I'm Rob West, your host. This is where we recognize that God owns it all. You're a steward or a manager of God's resources, and money is a tool to accomplish God's purposes. Hey, we're away from the studio today, so don't call in, but we lined up some great questions in advance that I know you will enjoy. In fact, back to the phones we go to Arkansas. Hey, Jeff, thanks for calling, sir. Go ahead. Hey, I got a question about Medicare. Um, I'm 64 and a half. Um, and I know you're supposed to, uh, what are you supposed to sign up before you hit 65? Is that correct? That's right. Starting three months before you turn 65 and ending three months after the month you turn 65, unless you're covered under an employer's plan, then you'll want to uh, go ahead and sign up. If you're already collecting Social Security, that would typically happen automatically. But if you're not, you need to be sure to sign up to make sure that you don't have either a gap in coverage or have to pay a penalty. Okay. Well, I still plan on working for at least a couple more years, um, so I would not have to 
sign up for that then, correct? That's correct. So you're covered under a, a company-sponsored plan? Yes, yes. Yes, that's correct. So you'll have a window of time after you separate from that company, but as long as you're covered under a group plan, you wouldn't have to sign up for Medicare. Okay. Now, when I do, what what do you re- recommend, A or B, or what would be the best? Yeah, I I think the key for you is to uh, recognize I would do both. So part A is the hospital insurance that covers inpatient care, skilled nursing, uh, you know, home health care, things like that. Part B is the medical insurance uh, that's going to cover services from doctors and health care providers. I would also look at at having a a Medicare Advantage plan or a Medigap plan. Uh, The rule of thumb is if you are in good health, you don't go to the doctor often, the Medicare Advantage plan would be best. If you have some issues that require a lot of uh, care, then a Medigap plan would be the better option. But basically, uh, you know, this is going to step in and, and provide coverage, you know, beyond what the basic Medicare A and B covers. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Very good. All the best to you, Jeff. We appreciate you checking with us today and all the best to you in this uh, next season of life. It's uh, it's exciting to think about uh, pursuing what God has for you uh, in this next phase. Let's uh, take our next caller. You're next on the program. Go ahead. Thank you for taking the call. I appreciate it. Um, I'm a new grandma and um, uh, for my grandson, and I'm wanting to set some monies aside for him. And I'm wondering what is the best vehicle, like a like a CD at a bank or like some kind of a, a stock pick or mutual fund pick. Um, I'm I'm thinking I might be putting in on a yearly basis, but in case not, um, you know, depending on my finances. So I'm just wondering what's the what is a, the best and safest yeah. way to to do that. Well, I love this idea. And Betty, you're a wonderful grandmother thinking about how you can bless your grandson. That's tremendous. A couple of questions for you as we help you decide the best course from here. Uh, What is the age of your grandson, did you say? He's um, 20. What is today? The 25th, uh, 25 days. He was Uh, just born. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, congratulations. That's amazing. Uh, and are there other grandchildren you're also wanting to put no. money away for? Okay. So the, just this no, there one. are no others and he okay. might be the only one. All right. Yeah. Well, what a blessing from the Lord. Uh, let me ask you, Betty, uh, are you wanting to earmark this money specifically for college or would you like it to be more widely available for his use? I think widely available. Okay. Um, yeah, I think widely available, and then he can he can choose. I'm I'm not so sure that you know when he reaches of age that college is even going to be an option type of, <laughs> yes, type of thing. You know, sure. So. Let me also ask you this: uh, Would you like this money to automatically become his at the age of majority in your state, probably eighteen, uh, regardless of where he's at in his maturity, both you know spiritually no. and no. financially, or do you want to have more control over it than that? I'd like to have more control of it because, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like by then, it'll be a sizable amount. You know yes, what I mean? very it, good. It, it'll end up being a, yeah. Okay, so for that reason, uh, what I want you to do is open uh, an individual account in your name only. Now, it's a separate account, uh, and you're going to treat it as earmarked for him. You could even add him as the beneficiary or his parents, um, but you don't want to put it in what's called a custodial account. 
which would be his asset automatically at the age of majority, which would kind of take you out of the position of having control over it, which would allow you to determine when and how he receives it. Um, it, In terms of how to invest it, are you wanting to put it into the stock market to grow it, even though that involves risk, or did you have something else in mind? Offering 4.5 interest, um, and I'm thinking, uh, would that be so bad? I mean, that's no risk. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's right. CIC insured. Sure. I was, I was thinking. um, I mean, as far as a stock market, I mean, I have my retirement funds in in the stock market, and we all know what that's done. It's been a yo-yo. And, yeah, and that's that. right. Well, certainly over the last year, but I think we have to expect that. You know, the market moves in cycles. Now, we're still only a couple of thousand points away from the all-time high on the stock market, at least on the Dow Jones. But you remember, before last year, which was rough, we had a 12-year raging bull market where, you know, there's a lot of wealth to be made. So as long as we look at it and say, yeah, I mean, we have at least a 10-year time horizon. In your case, you may be thinking, you know, more like a 20-year time time horizon on this money. The market's never lost money in any 20-year period. And so I think, you know, as long as you take that perspective, what you may want to look at is say, well, the market's down, but that's a good thing because I'm buying these stocks at a discount. You know, we like discounts uh, in every other context except the market. When the market's down, we tend to say, well, I better stay out. And then we wait until it comes back and then get in when it's high. So I'm not trying to talk you into it, but I'm just saying if you did want to put it into stocks and you took a long-term view, I'd probably look at what uh, something like the Schwab Intelligent Portfolios. So Charles Schwab is a large discount brokerage firm. You could open an account again in your name, but you'd you know, earmark it for him uh, in your mind. And then I would just systematically invest in it. You could put in a lump sum. You could invest, you know, a certain amount every month and automatically transfer it in. And the nice thing about the Schwab Intelligent Portfolios is it's very low cost, And after you answer a series of questions about the time horizon and the goals and objectives, it'll just automatically reinvest it every time you make a deposit without any transaction costs. And you'll just capture the broad moves of the market because it'll invest it in what are called indexes. They're exchange-traded funds, baskets of stocks that represent the major market indexes, both stock and bond market. Given that your time horizon would be 20 years or so, it would probably be largely allocated towards stocks versus bonds, but you'd just capture the broad moves of the market over the next 10 or 20 years. Okay. I think that makes some sense, especially in light of inflation. And again, those are called the Schwab Intelligent Portfolios. But if at the end of the day you said, you know what, Rob, I'm just more comfortable not taking any risk with this money. I just want to know that I'm going to get the 4% a year. And, you know, I want to put it in a high-yield savings account at an online bank like Marcus or Ally Bank. That would be fine, too. Or you could put it in CDs. And then you'd just, you know, as you accumulate the money each year, you'd you'd buy, you'd roll it over into a new one-year CD and try to take advantage of higher rates. I think either of those approaches would work, Betty. And over time, you're going to have a lot of money, and this will be an enormous blessing to him. So glad you called today. I would take uh, one of those two routes. And um, I think you'll be uh, real happy you did this down the road. If we can help further along the way, let us know. Stay on the line. I want to send you a book to give to your grandson when he's ready. This is Faith and Finance Live. And don't go anywhere. Still a lot more to come as we continue to apply God's wisdom to your financial decisions. We'll be right back. We're 
We're so glad you've joined us for Faith and Finance Live today. Here in our final segment, let me remind you not to call in because we're not live today, but we'd love for you to stick around and enjoy the rest of the program. Let's take a quick email before we head back to the phones. Each day we receive emails. This one comes to us from, uh, let's see, my apologies, Claire. Claire writes, my fiance wants me to sell my house before we get married. We're both around 50 years old and he owns his home also. I'm scared to sell my house and get rid of my belongings, furniture, household items, etc. before we are actually married. It doesn't seem wise or in my best interest. Uh, what do you think? Well, uh, you know, first of all, there's no reason to do any of this before you're married. So if you're more comfortable, I would wait. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't want to do that in the sense that if you had some sort of check about whether or not this is God's plan for you, I would say that's bigger than these personal items. And I'd really pray and think about that. If not, if you fully believe this is God's intention, uh, again, there's no reason why you'd have to get rid of all of that. And I would do a lot of talking ahead of time. I mean, hopefully you're getting uh, pastoral premarital counseling. Uh, That's really going to be key. I would uh, do a lot of discovery around financial affairs. Uh, I'd have a lot of conversations, Claire, about what was money like growing up. So you all understand kind of your money backgrounds. You know, maybe one of you grew up where money was plentiful and in another situation, money was scarce. Uh, Maybe one family operated on a budget and one, you know, didn't. Uh, Maybe one was big into giving and one wasn't. So I think as you look at that, it will help you understand what you're each bringing to the table so that now as one flesh, and that's really God's design for marriage, um, that we have unity, that you all can move forward with God's heart in mind, according to biblical wisdom, and really now handle money God's way as a couple. And I think recognizing what you're each bringing to the table is really clear. Um, And, you know, making sure you have full disclosure about what you're each bringing to the table in terms of assets and debt and those types of things uh, are really key. And then talking about, you know, the lifestyle that you want to uh, live and what God has called you to there. How do you all as a married couple want to approach giving? What is your spending plan or your budget going to look like? Who's going to be the bookkeeper? I mean, these are all the things that you need to be talking about before you get married so that you're ready. Because what we know is that 70% of married couples have conflict over this area of uh, money management. It doesn't have to be that way, though. Uh, You know, what we find is that those that are able to overcome that have really good, open and honest communication. They're talking regularly and working through their financial decisions. They're setting goals together based on their values, what's most important to them and what God is calling them to. And they have margin, which means they're living on a budget, living below their means. It's not a matter of what their income is. It's that they're living below that income. And that margin and that open communication is really going to be key in helping you to overcome the potential for conflict around money in marriage. But you've got to start that well before you're married. So this is the time to be working through all of that. I would also be talking about, you know, where you're going to live and, you know, why do you have to get rid of all of your belongings and household items? Uh, You know, maybe there's some things you want to hang on to. So I think uh, there's an opportunity for you all to really lean into this. And here's the reality. When you're prepared to enter marriage, 
in uh, in this area of money, especially as you're you know entering marriage at 50 years old, where you've got a lot of you know habits established and so forth. Being able to join that and really then as a couple pursue God's best moving forward, I think is going to be key. Hopefully that's helpful to you, Claire. We appreciate you writing to us today. We'll be praying that God uh, really blesses this new marriage. Uh, one more email. This one comes from Julie. She writes, what is the best way to invest $10,000 for grandchildren who are about 20 years old? So uh, we just talked to a grandmother who has a grandchild who's brand new, 25 days old. Uh, this is a grandmother that uh, wants to invest for a 20-year-old. Uh, and what I would say is, first of all, uh, you know, the question is, do you want to hang on to this money in your name, Julie, and then decide down the road at a predetermined date um, when you would give them this money? That's the first question. If you want to have control over it, you'd need to put this account in your name. The second is, are you wanting to earmark this for a certain purpose? So, for instance, you could contribute to a Roth IRA for this 20-year-old. As long as they have earned income, you could say, listen, I want to bless you by helping you fund and, and modeling this idea of saving for the future. And you could do that by putting money into a Roth IRA. They wouldn't want to touch it now. That would be long-term money. But man, the power of that money being invested for a 20-year-old that could then be accessed in retirement 45 years down the road. Imagine the compounding effect there. Uh, so I think that would be a great idea if you're wanting to earmark it for retirement. So uh, you would have them open an, a Roth IRA, and then you could contribute um, either yourself or together with your grandson uh, $6,500 a year into it. At least that's the amount this year. So consider that if you want it more widely available, I'd probably just open a, a robo-advisor account where you could just start systematically investing into an account that would grow for the future. But you'd want to make sure there's at least a 10-year time horizon on it to invest. Otherwise, I'd keep it in more safe investments. All right, thanks for uh, writing to us today. If you have a question you want read on the air, you can send it to us. We'll try to get it on at askrob at faithfi.com. All right, let's head back to the phones to Virginia. Hi, Jim. Thanks for calling, sir. Go ahead. How you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Yes, sir. I have a, a question for you. I'm a 68 years old and uh, never have made a whole lot of money. I, and I had a little small pension fund, but it's they. Every time I get a statement now, they say it's in critical condition and about ready to go broke. And uh, I was wondering what I should do with some of the money that I have in my savings account. Uh, like I said, I have about $80,000, and my son suggested that I go ahead and open up a Roth or an IRA that would yes. help my taxes. Yes. Uh, you certainly could do that. Do you still have earned income, Jim? Are you still working? Yes. Yes, sir, I am. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, if you're looking to put money away uh, for you know, down the road and you still have earned income, uh, you could open an IRA that would give you a current year tax deduction. If it's a traditional IRA, you could put in up to 7,500 being that you're over age 50 and you'd be able to take the deduction now, arguably while, uh, you know, you're in a higher tax bracket while you're working. And then down the road, you would, uh, you know, be able to invest that. And let's say, you know, your retirement income is covered when you actually, you know, separate from the company because you've got, 
you know, hopefully this pension is still there, uh, plus Social Security, and maybe that covers your bills. And then you've got this money, you know, that's growing for you to supplement that uh, down the road. So I I think that would be a a great option. Um, Do you have any further information about this pension? Obviously, that critical status means that they either have funding or liquidity problems. um, And there is, you know, federal law around this. But what do you know about it? I know this. They just say they send me a statement every so often, and they're saying there's a possibility that what I get now, which is around seven hundred dollars a month, that I might have to lower the amount yeah. that they're giving in order to keep, you know, sending me the money. That it's not a guarantee that I'll keep getting the seven hundred dollars the rest of my life. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of the way that it's written it. The way I can understand it, it's kind of written in lawyer talk, and it's hard for me to really understand, you know. Yeah. It's not the company that I'm working for now. It's oh, the company I, I worked for years ago and when I retired from them. Okay, got it. Got it. Yeah, so the Pension Protection Act of 2006 has these funding classifications where they have to disclose if they're underfunded as being critical or in a red zone, and then they have to develop a plan, a rehabilitation plan to try to get it back into good standing, but they're just complying with the law and trying to make sure that you're notified that there is uh, some sort of you know problem here and that they're you know working to resolve it, but I think knowing that that might not be there, at least in its full amount, is something that I think clearly you should factor into your planning as you move forward. But it sounds like you're doing that. And so the key right now is just to keep your lifestyle as lean as you can and save as much as you can uh, moving forward. And I think the uh, traditional IRA is a great option. Sound good? Traditional IRA, that sounds great. That's that's what I've tried to find out. Thank you so much for your time. All right, Jim. God bless you, my friend. And thanks for checking in with us today. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Hey, before we go, let me mention that uh, Faith and Finance is listener supported, which means we do what we do every day on the air, in the app, through our website, faithfi.com, to serve listeners like you because of your listener support. So if you're not yet a financial partner, especially here as we head toward the end of the month, which is always a good checkpoint for us, uh, we'd invite you to be a to support this ministry. It would certainly go a long way to helping us continue this work to serve God's people. Just head to our website, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com, and just click the Give button. You can become a monthly partner. You can give one time. It, again, would go a long way to helping us continue to serve God's people and help uh, God's people apply His wisdom to their financial decisions and choices. Faithfi.com. Just click the Give button. Well, we're about out of time today. Before we go, money management can often be confusing, a seemingly endless number of decisions that we have to make. And yet, if we think about it, we can actually reduce our money management just to five uses of money. There's the money we live on, the money we give, the money we owe for debt and for taxes, and the money we grow. Live, give, owe, and grow. And God's Word speaks to all of them. You know, when we pull the principles from God's Word out and apply them to our financial decisions, we can have confidence because they're timeless. They don't ever change. They transcend the tax code and actually allow us to move forward with 
peace of mind. That's what we're after here on this program every day. I'm so thankful for my team on behalf of Amy Rios and Tahira Haynes, our call screeners, and Jim Henry. We couldn't do this without them, but we also couldn't do it without you. So thanks for stopping by today, telling us your stories, asking your questions, even sharing your testimonies. We always love to hear what God is doing in your financial life. I hope you have a great rest of your day and come back and join us next time for Faith and Finance Live. God bless you.